morning. It's good to be here. I'm Joan Hogan, welcoming you to the Prairie Doc radio program. Rick Holm, our Prairie Doc, is with me, ready to answer your questions of a medical nature. Dr. Holm's specialty is internal medicine. He's a primary care physician with the Avira Medical Group Brookings, as well as being a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota Sanford School of Medicine. Good morning, Dr. Good morning, Holm. Joan Hogan. And we do have video. It'd be a good time for any of you who would like to live stream and get a look at Dr. Holm today. Pretty the crazy man wet. actually jogged <laughs> over here. No, I, I, what I did is I drove over here because I've got to go to the hospital after this. And uh, then I ran two miles south and two miles back. And, you know, there's a nice um, shade along the way, you know, along the jogging path and uh, really along half the golf course when, you, when it's in the morning. This, the sun. Uh, you don't look like you found much shade. There, it's hot as okay. I'll get out. You there. know, this would be a good time to talk about the weather that we're going to experience in the next two days. Perfect It's topic. going to be plus 90, yep. possibly hitting 100. It is really warm. We were actually invited to a party Thursday night, and they called and changed it to an indoor venue a week <laughs> ago because they knew they, it, people would drop drop by they said yeah. thursday night does not look good so they moved it to an indoor venue we had an outdoor party one summer uh and it was an ice cream party and we 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 had uh ice cold beer and we had uh, uh lots of uh, uh pop and then we had a big jug of ice cold lemonade and no one no one drank the beer no one drank uh, uh, anything alcoholic, they just drank that uh, that lemonade. We filled it up twice. I mean, it was just wonderful. And uh, we had ice cream. It was hard to keep the ice cream cold. But uh, it was one of those nights that it was, we should have been too inside. Hot to be outside. <laughs> it was just yeah. hot. What medical advice do you want to give people in the next couple of days? Well, let's talk about uh, heat illness, and I'll give you a case. All uh, right. I came in having worked for the city. Uh, and the city gave him plenty of time to to uh, take off. I, and you know what? It may not have been the city. It was some outside job, and he was digging a hole, and it was construction, and it was dead of the summer, just like it is now. And <clears throat> he came into the emergency room goofy, just crazy. And, delirious. And delirious without a lot of blood pressure. And his temperature was 104. Oh, my and uh, uh, so uh, that was the scenario, and the workers that were with him were okay. They just said he didn't want to stop, and he didn't want to uh, take a break, and uh, he didn't want to get into the shade, and he just worked until he got, he got this way. So uh, he had two components of heat illness. One of them was that he was volume depleted. He had sweat so much that he had lost his circulating volume. It had, it had uh, dropped, and part of it was everything dilated too, the veins dilated because the nerves were not working as well to keep the veins tight, to keep this volume circulating. You know, we have, what is it, five quarts of uh, blood that are, are circulating, and, uh, and he was more than a quart low, you know. So uh, that's one thing to say. That's one component of heat illness, volume depleted. The second component was he was overheated. His temperature was 103 or 4. It was just way up there. And uh, with that, the brain gets kind of goofy. 
Uh, so the brain was not working very well because it wasn't getting good circulation, but it was it was overheated too. Uh, there are people who talk about heat exhaustion, and uh, there's some definitions that I can never remember. Uh, I just remember you can be volume depleted. I think it's better to think volume depleted, overheated. Now, there are some people who will overheat, and they stop sweating because they're running out of volume, and they're dry hot. Uh, but I've never seen it. Uh, and then there's people who are volume depleted, but they're not overheated. I've not seen that either. I think they, they run together. So what do you do? Well, you, go, you treat the volume with giving them volume, and you treat the heat by bringing the heat down. So it's pretty simple. Uh, I mean, there's all sorts of complicated things. That you know, and I, who can remember those things? But you can remember volume. And so what, what do I do when I run outside in the heat? And I have, I have volume. I have, I've had heat illness from running. But I haven't lately, and I still run in the heat. What do I do? I bring a cool jug of water with me, and when it's all gone, I find something someplace else and fill it up again. So I'm constantly giving myself some volume, all right? The second thing I do is to keep my temperature down, and so I pour it on top of my head. I can tell you that when you're wet and you're running and there's a breeze on you, your air conditioning is working. And so the most important thing is to, you know, you can't underestimate the value of pouring water over your head when you're exercising. This guy, if he would have had a jug of water in his deal, and every time he felt like, I'm not feeling well, pour a little bit on top of your head uh, and down your back, take your sh you know, shirt off. Of course, I'm sunscreened, so you're not gonna burn. But you can pour water on your body and it will, the air conditioning, you're, you know, it's water evaporating. It's sweat evaporating, but it's water evaporating. It cools you down. So that's the long and the short of it. Volume and, and, uh, and stay wet when you're exercising. Two great advice. And on that note, we're going to take our first break. We'll be back right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Today is the first of a couple of extremely warm days ahead. Today should hit 90. Tomorrow might hit 100. We're talking about heat illness, and Dr. Holm described two things before the break. One is volume depleted, and the other is body overheated. Both of those you need to make sure that neither one is happening to you. But not a lot of people are listening to this program are going out jogging today. They probably want a little bit more advice on how to stay inside. Uh, or right. n should they stay inside? Yeah, that's, that's my what, thought. If it's really that hot, you're, you're, stay in air conditioning. Your thought is stay inside, stay inside. And my answer to you on that is yes. you need to get outside. I mean, oh. I, I say get outside in the winter, get outside in the summer. Get outside and enjoy it. Enjoy And, and sweat a little day. bit. It's okay. You know, if you are starting to feel ill, then, then okay. Okay. You've but got if, a problem. But otherwise, so Dr. Holm really advises that we stay outside, or at least not long periods of time. Do you go I, out in this, Bob? I do. You know, I'm a little farm boy with no air conditioning. But my question is, what about sport drinks, Gatorade, and things like that? Are they beneficial, or is it just a bunch of hype? Well, I, you know, the guy who developed uh, uh, Gatorade was uh, a physician who was trying to get a balanced uh, fluid to replace the sweat that you lose, uh, and uh, that uh, for the for the Gators, the f the the 
the Florida Gators. Florida Gators. And the uh, football team. Yeah. And I can remember when I was Mr. Meter, of course, Gary Meter is a resident of Brookings, and he, but he was the football coach for D. Smith. And being a bulldog and working outside, you know, with all that sweaty clothes and all that, and we we're sweat and sweat and sweat and sweat and overheated and all that stuff. They used to give us salt tablets, or they'd put salt tablets in water that was just hypertonic, bad tasting stuff. And that was probably the wrong thing to do. Uh, and the idea was to replace the sweat because you're losing uh, minerals and so on and so forth. And, and uh, what they've really looked at, and they've studied it with marathoners, because all these big runs occur, you know, in the south in particular, they run through the winter, summer. Uh, what is the best replacement? And uh, they know that you need some salt or some sodium chloride. Uh, and Gatorade has a sodium chloride in it. Uh, and you can also lose potassium. And so white grape juice has potassium in it. Uh, and actually Gatorade's got a balance of, of electrolytes and minerals and so on and so forth. And you can get these, you know, uh, you can get uh, running aid or have water when you're running around the uh, the half marathon or the marathon in Brookings or in Sioux Falls or where, whatever marathon or half marathon you're running. And uh, I always take the water and you can pour that over your head and you don't want to pour the... Gatorade on your head might be a little Gatorade. sticky. <laughs> but the uh, running aid, the Gatorade-like material uh, really does, uh, there's something about it that at the end of the race as you're getting, you know, coming to the end, boy, does that, I, I started running, going for the, the aid drink, which has that balance of something that you lose in your sweat. So the answer I have is mostly water, but some of that stuff, and probably Gatorade is a good choice. It's salt water, but it's not this hypertonic, excessive amount of salt. You know, it, it'd be, the most would, would be a teaspoon per gallon of salt. Um, and of course, the salt tablets were much stronger than much. that. Right, just too a little much. too much. You know, um, I did that uh, bike marathon around New York, and at the halfway point, they had a lot of bananas out. Now, that would be potassium, you right, know, right, to right. take a break, right. and of course, water. But right. would you suggest bananas too? When yeah. yeah, actually, you know, uh, when I ran the full marathon in uh, Minneapolis, when I was, you know, probably a few y years younger, when I was fifty, <laughs> <laughs> just a kid, uh, they gave you these sweet things, and then they gave you bananas along the way, and all sorts of things to eat. You know, hyper concentrated, uh, sweet, sugary uh, stuff. It just made me sick. <laughs> too sweet. I, it was too sweet. It was yeah. just, I thought to myself, I, I, they ga gave them out while you were running, and I gathered, and I was hungry, so I squeezed in like three or four of them, and then I was just, bleh. Have you noticed when it's really hot and thirsty, a nice icy cold beer tastes so good, but alcohol is sometimes bad, isn't it, yeah. if you're trying to stay cool? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, you know, let's, let's say we're talking volume, right? So you want volume that's circulating. Well, you have probably two quarts uh, that you can you can uh, access easily if your veins close. Uh, and if your veins dilate, your pressures are going to go away. I mean, what is, why does a person die suddenly if they have anaphylactic shock? Because suddenly all the veins dilate, 
and it all pools in your veins and you have no circulating volume. So the important, you know, the, you know when, you're, when you're talking pathophysiology of illnesses and, and uh, medical disease, particularly people dying from shock and pneumonia and uh, illnesses, you've got to understand that it's circulating volume that matters. It's that part that gets around to your brain. You want it to keep moving. And your body controls that by the big part of it in, in the venous system because it has such a capacity to dilate. And so if your pressures are too high, it'll dilate and take some of that volume down. And if your pressures are too low, they'll constrict and raise the pressure up and, and keep you going. If you're crawling across the desert, those veins are getting tighter and tighter and tighter to keep that circulating volume to preserve the flow to your your head. If you're laying in bed all night, you're totally relaxed and everything is just kind of plugging away. And, and then suddenly you go, oh, I got to take a, a break in the bathroom. So you stand up and you're, you would think that we should all pass out that when we stand up to the bathroom. We don't because the body is this marvelous system where it controls the volume, the circulating volume with the venous, immediately closes off, tightens up, and, and it, it gets the blood flow to the brain. It's an amazing uh, system. Who designed this anyway, Joe? Uh, well, I, I think I know the answer. How about you? There has to be an altogether wonderful designer. Kind of refer to him as God. Yeah. Yep. I, my, uh, my, I am a, a, a believer in... Uh, design as well as uh, evolution. And I think the, they go together. They, they do not conflict in my mind. Now people can disagree and, and, and I don't have a problem with people disagreeing. What I have a problem is if they, they're not listening to me, uh, I am certainly going to listen to them. I try to keep an open mind and listen to everybody and hear all sides and not get mad about it. Let's just explore and try to figure out answers. But uh, I, I truly, you know, I don't I, know how you could be in medicine and not have a deep abiding faith. It's just Basically. amazing to me. So last night we went to uh, sing for a person who has decided to quit dialysis. Time to, it's been all, and and uh, that person, sharp as attack, just said enough is enough. I'm ready. And we had 26 singers. Oh, what! And the nursing home, and they brought in uh, some more people uh, to hear us sing. It was the most spiritually moving thing. I, I, I can't tell you the beauty of looking at all those people uh, singing and the harmony. And we're getting to a point where we are, we know our music well enough, <laughs> and so we can harmonize just, very well. It's yeah. just beautiful and so um somebody said you got to sing the doxology uh because there was a um um uh, a dog they wanted to do a dog doxology so we sang the doxology to this puppy dog Gosh, to the dog it was just beautiful i gotta take a break because <laughs> all right I'm getting a call. you're getting a call and we're going to take our right. next break and we'll be back right after these words Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Dr. Holm got his call in and we got our break in. And Bob and I talked a little bit during the break and both of us said we need a better answer on the alcohol. But before you give it, you need to know for both of us, if it's a really hot day or we've worked really 
if I work in the yard in the summer, there is nothing, nothing more, more. <laughs> better than a cold, cold beer. And oh. I don't drink a lot of beer. Oh, I really am not a, you know, it's just not something that really appeals <laughs> to me. But when I am that warm, I just sit down with a cold one. There's nothing better. There is nothing better. So that's okay. But, but let's go back to the, go the, back to the original alcohol. question. We had to talk right. about vi- venous dilation, and I had forgotten that was the answer to why alcohol may not be a perfect uh, uh, solution because... Uh, it does the the alcohol portion uh, compromises your ability for your venous system to to. Uh, I figured it. that's what you were getting at. That you just your venous system wasn't working as well with alcohol, so that's uh, why you would not use alcohol to cool down. But if the flavor just hits well, you and you're relaxed, it's kind of nice. You can you can use uh, a cold beer to cool down and to. Uh, enjoy it it's just that it's probably not a great idea to have five beers and then go back out into the outside and start digging ditches again you know usually I mean? by the time i have that beer i'm not going anywhere <laughs> i'm just sitting <laughs> right that's right i've done my work but i'm done for the day now you just think about it air conditioning is a new thing it, it is. really is we have lived in this world uh without air conditioning up until what 30 or 40 years ago now in arizona they have rooftop uh water coolers that swamp coolers. swamp coolers that work and of course in the eras past people lived in caves because it was so cool it was cooler it? but you think about it most of the people in the in the in the united states would live in the north you can heat when you're when it's cold but you can't uh, cool when it's hot now that we have cooling systems they migrated down oh. south they've got they've gone to arizona they've gone to places where it's 105 110 right now it's just intolerable but they don't have to live out in it and uh, uh they've lived in florida for a long time but it's you sweat um uh, I, well i don't know i don't know the great answer on why they can yeah. live in florida and not in arizona except that it's a little bit more tolerable i think well there were more people there the east coast was developed before the the west more than likely you think? So well, there was really no major development in the South until air conditioning. Yeah. In no industry, you just couldn't have it in the South. It was too warm. We have talked a lot about heat, but while we were talking about it, we did have a question come in, yeah. and we like to respond to our listeners. So if you called and you're waiting for your answer, here's the question. We hope we have an answer for you. This woman called, three, and she's now three weeks after giving birth. Congratulations for your birth and your new child. But the woman still feels numbness and tingling in her fingers. Is this normal? No. I didn't think so. So, um, well, one of the things that I would say is that people have numbness and tingling in their hands and feet. They call that stocking glove uh, peripheral neuropathy. Uh, I always make sure that B12 levels and thyroid levels are checked. But... um, uh, I think the real answer t- that is happening with this woman is that she has carpal tunnel syndrome. And so after you've checked your B12 and your thyroid, people who present with carpal tunnel syndrome should always have your thyroid tested and also have your, th- your iron uh, levels tested because that goes with it as well. But people who are pregnant will oftentimes have swelling in the carpal tunnel region and will have carpal tunnel syndrome. So it may have nothing to do with childbirth? Oh, it does. Oh, because carpal uh, tunnel? people who have babies will commonly have carpal tunnel syndrome. I didn't know that. Yeah. Why? 
<laughs> I don't see the Beca- connection. Because uh, Dr. Wegner told me in pathophysiology. <laughs> that that's <laughs> the reason. <laughs> I, had, I don't I'd remember why. Con- I, I don't connection. know what the physiology okay. is. Uh, they, they have some swelling, and the swelling occurs... Uh, all over their body, yeah. and uh, so make sure your th- your thyroid is tested, your B12 level is tested, your iron level is tested. You know you can wear arm, uh, hand and wrist splints at night, but if it persists, don't live with it because you can lose uh, uh, function of your hands. So this is not so normal. We really feel that you need to see your doctor. Get on and in and get seen. Absolutely. You know, the numbness, the way you'll know for sure that it's carpal tunnel syndrome is the numbness will involve the palmer, the palm side of your thumb, your pointer finger, your middle finger, and sometimes half of your ring finger and not involve your ba- your, your fifth finger or the, in the outside edge of the, of the um, ring finger. So um, the carpal tunnel syndrome is generally that part. Now, if it's instead the little finger and half of the ring finger, it's your elbow. It's the ulna uh, and the ulnar nerve uh, that's the problem. Well, definitely we will make sure that this woman called in and that she gets to go see her doctor. Dollars to donuts, she has carpal Carpal tunnel tunnel. syndrome. Okay, we had another caller, and it relates back to the, the heat. And this caller has a problem with her lips in the heat. She uses chapstick with SPF, but if she's in the heat two two or three hours, her lips get puffy and sore. Why and what do you recommend to help? Well, I wonder if she's allergic to whatever she's using on her lips. Oh, that may be causing the puffiness and the soreness because of an allergic reaction. So if if her lips do bother her, maybe Vaseline? That's uh, yeah, the answer here, here, for everything, here, isn't it? Here, here's what I would recommend. Stop you, whatever you're putting on your lips for two weeks. Just okay. Vaseline alone. And uh, Oh, I was right with Vaseline. Uh, Vaseline is the, you, hey, Joan, you can say Vaseline, Vaseline. for uh, any dermatologic question, and it's almost always the right answer. It's safe. It's it is safe. just plain safe. So stop it, putting that stuff on your lips for at least two weeks. You could very well be allergic to Whatever it is in that lip balm that you're putting on there, it could be the perfumes that are in there, it could be the coloring that's in there, it could be the, it could be the sunscreen that's in there. Uh, it's it could be so many things, but avoid it. You l- read the the ingredients. <laughs> if you can see it, it's so small uh, print, but I, there's a lot of ingredients. Uh, right? Let me let me put it this way: I believe that there are a lot of people who are uh, lip gloss, lip balm dependent. And now that's including my wife, my middle son, uh, and uh, they just lip balm, lip balm. They've got to have one wherever they are going, you know. Uh, and both of them are nurses. Uh, and, y- you know, I've said it to them all time and time again. Uh, you, you are causing your problem because I don't use lip balm and my lips are fine. I don't have any problem with my lips. I mean, I use sunscreen on my face and it gets on my lips. But for the most part, I've never had any irritation of the lips. And I think people get dependent on that stuff. Um, well, you know, it's a sad, sad state when your own wife and son won't listen to they your great medical to, advice. It's a terrible thing. <laughs> just, just horrible. <laughs> what is with it, Joni? The man knows what he's talking about. Yeah. We're going to take our final break. We'll be back right after these words. 
Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Before the break, uh, we had a question about a woman who was using chapstick or some other type of protection for her lip, and Dr. Holmes said, just stop using it. You may be having a reaction to it, but you could also have a rebound syndrome when you use something a little bit too long. What is that now? That's called tachyphylaxis. The classic example of tachyphylaxis is people who use constipation stimulant laxatives like Exlax or Correctol or Senna will have, if you stop it, you'll have rebound constipation. So then you have to wear it all the time. I mean, take it all the take time. Take it all the time. Uh, be, uh, and uh, let's, the other classic example is if you take Valium or you take uh, Xanax or if you take in, any of the sleeping pills, the Ambien, those kinds of things. When you stop them, you have withdrawal anxiety, withdrawal sleeplessness, withdrawal uh, um, uh, from the medicine. So you're taking these to help you sleep, but then if you stop taking them, you the rebound sleep. is you can't sleep. And so, so then it's then a vicious circle. It's you a just vicious keep cycle. going. There are so many vicious cycles out there. One of the vicious cycles is is Prilosec or Omeprazole. You know, it's a marvelous medicine, and there's some people who just have to have it, and it's saved their lives, and they haven't bled to death, and they haven't had to have gastric surgery, and so it's helped us treat with people of H. pylori and all that. It's a wonderful, wonderful medicine. But, but if you are a person who doesn't have acid in the stomach, um, then you start taking Prilosec because you're in a study to see if it, it uh, helps you or changes anything. And you take it for uh, two to four weeks. And then you stop it. You'll have withdrawal acid. Most of the people who are on omeprazole, you know, get st- sometimes they get, they're very sick in the hospital uh, beca- and they have stress ulcers or whatever. They get put on omeprazole and then they have omeprazole the rest of their lives. So right now, most of us are trying to get people off of it. And to withdraw from it, you have to taper up to like a three-month taper. So what I tell people is, you know, you don't know that, this, that you're dependent on it. Uh, and the way to get off of it is to uh, skip or c- cut it in half every third day for two weeks and then cut it in half every other day. And then, you know, just taper it over a three-month period of time, that kind of a t- taper. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, there are other medicines that will do that. I mean, narcotics We'll right now, the, what uh, we keep reading about are the opioids. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. just, I, do I say that right? I never yeah, know. opioids. O- opioids, yeah. That's right. They're, the, they're uh, opium dangerous. based. Yeah, they're dangerous, and you can't get off of them once you get into them. Uh, they're just uh, all sorts of them. Some things are a lot less um, uh, troublesome, but, uh, you know, the other classic is the cinnamon for, for Parkinson's disease that... that and you have this roller coaster life on it. I, I think you're just about as well uh, without those uh, Parkinson meds, which is, it's a tough drug, a tough disease. So we don't have good answers there. Anyway, long and the short of it is a lot of things will cause uh, with uh, problems of dependency. You'll lose their effect and then you have withdrawal. We gotta quit. I guess we're done. I think we do, but we hope all of you listening have enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program, and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. As always, you can hear and see more from Dr. Holm online at prairiedoc.org. Thanks for joining us today, and thank you, Dr. Holm. Thank you, Joan, and thanks, Bob, and stay healthy.